Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. back to GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for listening to another segment. With me today is a very special guest by the name of Jen Blanchett, and she's a doctor. So Dr. Jen Blanchett, I want to put some respect on her name because she works so hard. So here's a little bit more about Dr. Jen. Dr. Jen Blanchett is the host of the TBI Therapist Podcast. She has a clinical practice as a psychologist where she specializes psychological care after concussion and neuro coaching for leaders. For the past 10 years, she has specialized in therapy after head injury, trauma, and spiritual concerns in mental health. Dr. Blanchett is passionate about the nervous system and optimizing the best functioning your brain can have. She has been a lifelong athlete and is a fitness professional. So without further ado, let's welcome the woman behind it all, Dr. Jen Blanchett. Hi, how's it going? It is going well, Dr. Jen. And do you prefer me to address you as Dr. Jen, Dr. Blanchett, or just Jen? Just Jen is good. That's fine. So before we uh, dive into the work that you're doing, I want to give the audience a chance to connect with you on a more personal level. So there's two options I give my guests. We could either do a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid, or an icebreaker. What are you in the mood for? Mm, Let's go icebreaker. Okie dokie. We're breaking the ice with Jen. Jen, I want you to share something crazy or adventurous that you have done in your life that built your character or a fun and interesting fact that not even your own audience knows about you. And if you're feeling frisky, combine the both of them. Wow, that is such a good question. I am racking my brain. What is something crazy or fun that I've done? Hmm. Well, I mean, I used to get down in the club. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, so I've, I'm a long life music lover, but in my 20s, I would go out dancing most of the weekend. So I was really into just, you know, listening to house music, R&B, rap. I was, I was in the club partying. That was me. I was a big party person. So I was a little crazy and it seems so far removed because I know we've talked a little bit about you having a new little, little one at your home. And so, you know, I've been a mom now for nearly 10 years. So I'm like, who was that person? I don't even know who they were, but I, I think emphasizing fun is so important for people, even if it's a different phase of life. So now my fun is certainly like more Zumba and tennis and things that maybe are more adaptive for my age. But I I really did enjoy dancing and just being with my friends and having a really good time. 
That is amazing. And I cannot dance, even though I am Caribbean descent. People are like, oh, you should know how to dance. Like I tell people, oh, I'm okay. But like my husband, he's the dancer. And I'm like, dude, you know, I can't dance. Why would you put me on the dance floor like that? But anyway, I love that fun fact that you just shared. And was there a specific song that you just rocked out to whenever you were in the clubs and you're like, oh, that's my song? Yeah. Um, gosh, I feel like Mira J. Blige had a song. What is that song? Oh my gosh. Now it's at the tip of my tongue and I can't get it. I'm gonna look up my phone and let you know what it is. Uh, I'm trying to think of the big songs when I was like, when it was my day. Uh, but generally I loved, you know, anything with a strong beat. And now with the Zumba, I love, I, I was teaching Zumba for a while. And so like Soka, so Caribbean music, I love, I told my husband, I want to, we're going to go to Trinidad and I'm going to go to Carnival because I, so, uh, yeah, all, all Soka I am obsessed with. And so that's what I rock out to at home in the kitchen. So that's, it's Caribbean beats all the time around here. Oh, I love that. I actually have family in Trinidad and my mom is actually West Indian. So she's from oh. St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So yes, my family is big into Carnival and all of those things. Yes. Yes. So now let's jump into the work that you're doing, Jen. So around, you know, being conscious around our brain, mental health, and etc. Because all of these things are very important, especially with concussions. And we talked, I guess, during a pre-chat, and we talked about how concussions can happen around domestic violence and there's more women facing concussions than athletes are so from the work that you're doing from a psychological perspective and what you see day in and day out can you shed some light around concussions as a whole sure so i think the, one of the things it's, it's so interesting i had posted on my instagram that it was a simple post that just said concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury and for me, that seems like a very simple fact, but the general public does not realize that a concussion is considered a traumatic brain injury. And it's, we don't even think of it because we, you know, we'll hear a football player is out on concussion protocol and they might come back next week, next month. You know, I think there's a little more seriousness now in, the, in our culture regarding concussion, but previously, you know, people just would be like, okay, yeah, they, they bumped their head and they'll be back. You know, they didn't even know kind of what that process is of someone coming back or those symptoms. So a concussion or a mild traumatic brain injury, same thing, is the largest percentage of brain injury in general. So that's, that's about 75% of all brain injuries are your mild TBIs or your concussion? So, so mm -hmm, go. No, no. I was going to just ask a question. So, for anyone who thinks that they have a concussion, should they go and get it checked out? Because sometimes people may not realize that they have a concussion and they think they're fine and they may get back up and get back in the game or they may keep, keep on going with life. But the reason why I ask that question is because. I wonder, can they have any hemorrhage or any um, bleeding that they may not know about because they don't think that they were hit that hard? Right. So you need about 80 G's of force for that to happen. So like a bump, you know, like a, some little jostles of the head are, are likely not going to cause 
a concussion, like if you've been in a motor vehicle accident, you could have whiplash, which actually looks a lot like concussion. So certainly getting um, some treatment if you've been in a car accident or if you've had a fall. So the biggest percentage of concussions are from falls. So this is just brain health for general population. Uh, so I live in the state of Maine. I don't know where you, where are you, where are you coming from? All the way down south in Texas. In Texas. Ooh, okay. I'm from Virginia originally though. So I'm, I am a Southern girl. Anyway, we can go there another time, but I went to school in Virginia beach, but I now live in Maine. So a lot of people fall on the ice. So a lot of the people I've seen have been people who've fallen on the ice or fallen just in weird circumstances. There's not like I was an athlete and I've been, you know, that happens, but that's not your large percentage of concussion. So a lot of people don't realize like, okay, I fell, but is that a concussion? Yes, it could be. So certainly getting seen by a medical professional is ideal. So if you think that you had a concussion, go get checked out. Typically you do not see any issues on a brain scan. The only reason why they're doing the brain scan is to see if there's a brain bleed, to see if there's a, you know, a, a cranial fracture or something like that. So it is important just to see if there's anything else going on besides the concussion, which is significant, but you won't see on an image like a CT or MRI, we won't see differences in the brain structures, but it's like a t-shirt that you stretched out. So if we stretch a t-shirt out, it still is a t-shirt, but it's functionally very different. And that's the same in the brain. So it's like also a, a tight thing of yogurt. That's the consistency of the brain. And if you shake up that yogurt, if we, if we put an image on that yogurt, it would be the same, right? but the yogurt is very different. And that's kind of similar to what happens in our brains. You have the jostling of the brain forward and back. And so we don't see an, really an issue on imaging, but there is functional issues that are happening inside of the brain and brain functioning. Wow, thank you so much for elaborating and going into details because I'm actually learning so much about this. So Jen, what made you focus on this area in your career? Like, was it something that happened to you personally or someone, you know, that made you want to just zero in on this specific, um, this specific discipline, like brain health, concussions and et cetera. Great question. So I find it, it was serendipitous, honestly. So I didn't have any experience working in brain injury in neuropsychology previous to my postdoctoral residency in neuropsychology. However, I had lost my job and I needed another year of experience to be licensed as a psychologist. It was in the last economic downturn, like what was that? Oh, nine or something around there. And I didn't have a job and I moved up to Maine, you know, with my in-laws and I'm just cold calling places like, do you perhaps need a resident to work there? And I cold called the brain injury program. And I was like, do you guys happen to need somebody? And they, we actually do need somebody. So I went in the interview and here comes the music. I'm pumping Beyonce in the car. I'm just, I'm going to go in with some energy, right? I'm going to go into some really good energy. And, uh, they liked me. So they wanted someone really, and this is why they wanted someone with really strong therapy skills. And I'd done a lot of group work. I'd worked a lot just listening to people, honestly, because the majority of people in the programs that do a neuropsychology residency are testing all day long, writing reports all day long. So I was a little bit different in that I'm, I was more in that rehab psych 
kind of track where I do groups, I'd see people, I'd see people initially and kind of just listen to them. Of course, there's technical aspects of that where I'd have to diagnose their, you know, mental health conditions and research their brain conditions. But it was a lot to learn. And especially with having a doctoral degree at that time to figure out, wow, I really don't know a lot on brain injury. And I kind of fell in love with the people, honestly, because I just saw such a great need because there's a lot of grief, honestly, with brain injury. For people that don't get a lot of those functions back, it's like a there's a before injury self and an after injury self. And so I really liked working with people on that pivot and working through the grief, honestly, and the trauma of what they'd been through. So I also have uh, a trauma training in EMDR therapy, which I've used in the past to help people through the actual trauma of their injury, which is, is a whole nother conversation in itself, honestly, but I'll, I'll, I'll check in with any questions about that. I like that. And I like that you, you fell into it and then you also fell in love with it. And the last part you said was EMDR. Is that the eye movement? Um, I'm forgetting the D and the R, eye movement detection response. Is that what it is? It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Okay. I can, in a nutshell, describe what it is. So it's a trauma therapy that was founded by Francine Shapiro. And she founded this model basically by walking and processing a traumatic event of her own. And she found something in the walking. She was like, this walking is really helping me process my trauma. So then she started to develop this this model where she experimented with all types of bilateral movement, walking, kind of tapping each side of the body, and then the eye movements. So I do this in therapy with people they follow my fingers. Not hypnosis, they are fully present the whole time, but she found something was helpful in using both sides of the brain, both sides of the body, and helping the person reprocess that trauma. So it feels like in their body that the experience of the trauma is not happening right now. A lot of times people can feel like, oh, I get a bump on the head. This is for my folks. I, I ha- I'm going to have a concussion again. So they're right back there in that trauma. For combat vets, I've worked through, you know, they see something on the TV that reminds them of their trauma from war and they're right back in that situation. And then a personal example would be I had, speaking of having a young child, my son had heart surgery when he was very young. And I was, I was worried that when he, when I laid him down, he would not wake up. That was like an irrational fear that I had. And I was like, sleep Nazi. I was like, don't even, blankets are death. Like sleep sack that baby. And it was, A had developed all kinds of stuff. I had to get, you know, support and treatment for that myself. And it's been nine years. So it's much much removed now from me, but you know, we develop these things based on traumatic experiences. And if we don't get that support to reprocess them, to know that it's over in the body. So I I go by Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. Essential reading for humans, I believe, that the body really tells us if we are healed. And thank you for breaking that down because I did not want to butcher that EMDR. So thank you for helping me out there, Jen. And you said a lot in that, and I want to kind of dissect it a bit, but I also, I'm going to ask this question. So we know you focus on concussion and you also focus on mental health and you have your own show, TBI Therapist. So 
is there any correlation with concussions and mental health? And how can we decipher between both of them? Because mental health in today's society, there is a negative stigma around it. And people don't want to raise their hand and say, I'm dealing with a mental health issue. When in actuality, raising your hand is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength, because you're going to be able to work through some of the trauma and some of the things that you're dealing with internally. So you can make sure it's not happening externally. So if you are whole and complete, those connected to you and around you will also be whole and complete because they don't feel like they're tiptoeing on eggshells from my perspective, from the outside looking in. And you, you have way, 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 way more experience than I do. I'm just barely talking about it from a surface level, but feel free to dive deep with me here. Yeah. So, so we do know that folks after a concussion have a higher incidence of depression, of anxiety, and other symptoms related to trauma. So that we certainly do know that. And the problem with people who've had a concussion getting support for mental health issues is a lot of the providers don't even think to ask about mental health issues. So maybe they went to their primary care or the ER, and then no one really followed up with them, period. So they might be dealing with symptoms weeks or months later, and then they finally are like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't even be on the computer for 30 minutes, or I'm crying all the time. What is happening? that's a response that can happen from a concussion. And so it may not be so much like they can't hack it. It's they're dealing with symptoms and they're not getting the right support either medically or psychologically. And so I find that getting help is essential. So getting help immediately after a concussion, if you've had symptoms over two weeks, I'd recommend going to a concussion clinic, period getting that support that you need. And even the concussion clinics don't oftentimes have integrated mental health support. So you may go to the concussion clinic and be dealing with some of that anxiety or depression because of things that have happened, but you don't know that's the support you need until later. So I would encourage you to just think about, you know, if there's things related to anxiety and depression with your concussion, don't delay, like get that support, get those tools to help you. So from a medical provider standpoint, and you working with other people within the medical space, have you all um, thought about establishing a checklist? So once someone goes to that concussion clinic, they may have a set of questions to ask that individual to see if they're dealing with anything from a mental health perspective, because they may not necessarily be in the wheelhouse based on the work that you provide. But if y'all come together and build some form of collaboration, we could see the synergies take place where that individual be, um, feels like they're seen and heard and they get the necessary help and support um, in the beginning versus after the fact. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I think there's so many issues there that I would love to like tackle. You know, I, I think, you know, I think of our medical system and how disjointed it is here in the U.S. I know you probably have international listeners and that might be better in other countries, but in the U.S. it's hard for all the parts to talk together, honestly. And so I think we just need more coordination in general as a medical profession. Uh, I, I reach out to like physical therapists and speech therapists to try to do that integration myself. Uh, I really value neuro rehab programs that have everything in house that think about all these issues together. But certainly, you know, I think providers can, you know, give a simple questionnaire, like a, I think it's called the PHQ-9. 
So it's a patient health questionnaire, PHQ, and it's just nine questions, which includes like some depression and anxiety questions that even someone could look up themselves. They could take the PHQ-9 and bring that to their medical provider and say, hey, I'm kind of struggling with some things here and I might need support. Yeah, I like that. And thank you for answering that. And one thing that I was, I know that is a problem in America is insurance because sometimes insurance does not always pay for certain things. So that provider may not necessarily want to offer something, something, especially if they know the individual may not be able to pay for it themselves or if the insurance company will not cover it because then they're eating the foot of the bill. But then from the outside looking in, you signed up to be in this medical profession. And if your goal is to help people, you should help people because you may not see it right right now, but you're going to get a blessing after the fact because that person is going to be whole and complete for society, in my opinion. I'm definitely not not in that wheelhouse, and I definitely don't want you to do something for free because no one works for free, but that's something that we should think about from a holistic um, perspective. Now, Jen, I want to ask you, is there a question that I have not asked you or something that you would like to add to the conversation that will be relevant about concussions, brain health, and your podcast? TBI therapist. Yeah. So, you know, my podcast is for folks who uh, have had a concussion, a brain injury, and we also interview people that have other acquired brain injuries, like a stroke, or perhaps they've had something like Lyme disease or long COVID and they're struggling with long lasting symptoms. So I interview professionals and have also the individuals who have experienced those things share their story. And I think that's really empowering for a lot of people to hear other survivors And I really had the inspiration from going to a brain injury conference, which, you know, you hear the stories of individuals, you have all the providers there and you're sharing information. So that was kind of the purpose because when I had someone come to me, they would be like, no one does what you do. Why aren't there any mental health professionals that work in this arena? And I'm like, I don't know, but they, we need to have more. I agree. We need more folks that do this work. Uh, So I would say that. And I think with regard to brain health, And just generally, so I do some coaching for folks who also just want to optimize their brain health or feel like they're constantly in a fog, like maybe they have some ADHD type stuff. Maybe they don't have a diagnosis, but they're just, I call it struggle busing all the time. You know, it seems like work is a slog. Yes, (laughs) work is a slog and they're having a hard time focusing or getting things done, being productive. And so I work through like my four pillars of brain health and that's with my clients, my mental health clients too. But also I think for optimizing for coaching clients, we don't realize our brain is under a war is, is basically under siege right now with modern life. Constantly have emails pinging you, social media on your phone. There are so many things grabbing our attention that actually our attentional capacities as humans have decreased in recent times. So I think if thinking about those four pillars of brain health are really, really helpful just for anyone to optimize how their brain is functioning, how their whole body is functioning, because the body is attached to the brain. Do you mind sharing what those four pillars are just high level? Yeah. So, you know, sleep, you need to rest, you need to sleep for your brain to function, for your body to function. And as a new mother, you know what, (laughs) you know, the impact of limited sleep and that's a season of life. But it's, um, it's real. Like sleep deprivation is a form of torture. I'm a believer in that. And so that is one movement is number two. So finding the right movement 
And being able to do that on a regular cadence, I see it as a rhythm for your life to make sure that you're finding some ways to move because sitting at the desk all day long is not good for our bodies or our brains. And you're gonna be less productive. So I help people kind of think about that. So also for nutrition, so thinking of what we're putting into our bodies, you know, how we're fueling our bodies, what we're doing. And I think the other one is, is belonging. So we don't think about our social connectedness and how that is really tied to mortality. So there's lots of research studies that have let us know that if we're not connected to other people and we're, we had been in a loneliness crisis before the pandemic, after the pandemic, it's even more increased. So that is essential, I think for not of our brain health, but for also physical wellness. I love that. I love those four pillars, sleep, movement, nutrition, and belonging. So thank you for sharing those uh, pillars, Jen. And for anyone out there that's listening and they want to dive in further to the work that you're doing, please plug your website and share where you primarily hang out on social media, if any. Yeah, so you can reach reach me at uh, www.tbitherapist.com. And I am on Instagram most of the time. That's where I hang out. And that's at TBI Therapist. Amazing. So y'all, all of uh, Jen's contact information will be in the show notes. And I'm going to ask one last question before we wrap this up. So Jen, do you push or recommend any supplements for brain health? Because there are so many on the market. Do you offer any to your clients? None really specifically, you know, I think, you know, I kind of, I kind of get a little sensitivity to the snake oil industry and like pushing, <laughs> I do. I'm just like, is it, what snake oil is this today? Because I think a lot can be managed by nutrition, you know, by just common sense. Like, are we getting those fruits and vegetables? I really like the mind diet. So it's a mind diet, which is a lot of high fiber. It's like a Mediterranean style diet with, with, you know, a ton of fiber uh, fish. Um, so certainly like things we know, fish oil and creatine actually has been linked to brain health as well as magnesium. So certainly those are a few that I would recommend, but I don't think going crazy and spending a ton of money. I'd rather you add nutrition to your diet first and think about that because then we're just like, it's like, we're, it's like a, a house built on sand and we're just like, let's just build five stories because that would be better. And uh, no, we need to build that foundation first. That's why I think about that, those pillars first. Then if you're like, you're getting fancy, go ahead, you know, add another layer on, we can do that. We can add some productivity hacks and some supplements and all the things if you want. But if we're on shaky sand with our, with our foundation, that's, it's just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I loved how you said, the snake oil industry that had me crack it up. So thank you for sharing that. So audience, definitely focus on your nutrition. What is fueling your body? What are you putting in your body? Because you take time to fuel your vehicle or charge your vehicle. So why not take that same amount of time and energy to fuel your body? Because your body is your temple and you only have one. So let's be mindful of that. And let's be cognizant of what we're doing in our daily lives. And how is, how is that going to help us with longevity? And when I say longevity, your lifespan are you trying to go too soon or do you want to outlive some people because you chose to focus on what you were listening to what you were doing 
what you were consuming, dot, dot, dot. So Jen, thank you so much for coming into the community and sharing all this wisdom and knowledge. Audience, I hope this has been a blessing to you and a plum pleasing pleasure. Make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe. This is on 40 plus audio platforms and the video is on our YouTube channel. And you can find that by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And my big ask, ASK, is for brand sponsors. If you want to have your products and services heard right here, where this show is currently ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the KPIs on www.listennotes.com, send me an email to gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp at gmail.com. And it's easy to remember because it's the full name of the show at gmail.com. So until the next guest, next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Signing out, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp and Dr. Jen. Peace, y'all. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to Gems Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-S, at gmail.com where your brand your swag your services can be here on gems podcast <laughs>